Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kennedy. Join us on this week's episode as we discuss intriguing topics and people of interest that will inspire us to explore all of the unique pieces of ourselves. We are all imperfectly perfect. We're We're glad glad you're here. here. Hi, and welcome back to our next episode of the Imperfect Podcast. In day-to-day life, it's easy for us to notice the weaknesses of those around us. Others' behaviors and shortcomings can sometimes stand out like flashing arrows to others of us that are, you know, from a distance seeing what's going on. But when it comes to our own shortcomings, we're usually not able to recognize our own stuff and those less desirable attributes of our own without doing a bit of work. And are there behaviors that you have that bother others? I mean, no, not at all, mom, right? Like (laughs) we have have discussions sometimes about like, ah, the way you eat this thing, it just really grinds my gears. (laughs) Um, And do you have counterproductive or negative beliefs that could be blocking your way to success? Or are you discounting areas that are real concerns to those closest to you? And the absolute biggest question of all, do you really know these answers or do you only think that you know? Like I just said, oh, there's there's nothing that I do that bothers other people. And I mean, I'm playing stupid here. I mean, I know there are, but that's what we mean. Yeah, because today we're going to look at blind spots and uh, those parts of us, our own selves that we don't see about ourselves. So it's kind of weird to talk about that, but that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> So the information we gathered for today's podcast was sourced from Harvard Business Review, Medium.com, Dashi Meditation, PersonalExcellence.co, and authors Jim Reese and Tony Thompson. And although there are various definitions for the word blind spot, depending on the context, and in this regard, we are looking at something that Oxford Languages describes as an area where a person's view is obstructed or an area in which a person lacks understanding or they're impartial. Yeah. Blind spots are aspects of ourselves that we're not fully uh, conscious of. Um, And it can refer to a variety of different things, you know, traits, values, our actions, habits, feelings, thoughts, pretty much anything about our own person uh, can be a blind spot. Yeah, and they can prevent us from being our authentic selves or affect how we interact with others personally and professionally. And they may be actually blocking us from moving ahead um, to more fulfilling and enjoyable relationships. So essentially, they are holes um, in the way to see in the way that we see the world. So it can kind of prevent us from seeing the truth of how things really are, because we've kind of got this. Well, blind spot. I mean, it's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, how do you explain the thing that you don't know that you have? So, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, examples of this in my own life would uh, be that when I am working with people, treating people, and I say, you know, I found this, this, and this, and a lot of it has to do with uh, things about your body, emotional things, or your reactions to certain circumstances in your life. And without a doubt, first thing out of people's mind, oh, really? I didn't see that about myself. Mm. Yeah. 
and and quite often people argue with you like almost a challenge like they think that I might be wrong and you know sometimes that happens okay I get it but it's more about that they didn't see that aspect of themselves and then later 99 percent of the time you know they return to what we were speaking about and say you know after I thought about it I you know it makes I a can... lot of sense yeah right right so, yeah, yeah I can relate to that too in certain relationships that I have with people I find um and it's kind of funny just the way it happens uh someone will say to me you know you do this all the time and sometimes if it fits I'll say yeah well you do that too and it's so interesting how people it seems like people their first reaction is to be defensive well no I'm not yeah. like that yeah and so what if you were I'm just pointing out that what you're the flaw you're pointing out in me you also have yourself so right. it's this you don't see it in yourself and it's like this well how dare they say I whatever <laughs> chew with yeah. my mouth open or whatever but it's true we don't see it in ourselves until someone points it out and I don't know the these people that I say this to must go home at night and go, do I do that? Or maybe they ask um, different people for their inputs and whatever, but we ultimately don't see a lot of things the same way that other people see them. Right. So we're going to look at how do we develop these blind spots that we're speaking of. And uh, after looking into it, some, we figured out uh, that as children in our minds, um, they're completely open. They're like sponges and they absorb every little bit of information pretty much about what the world is really like. And we collect this data and information uh, through our experiences and we take note of the dynamics surrounding each situation. And in turn, we use that information to guide us in our lives, like things like what parents are like, what families like, what the world is like you know if the world's a nice or a dangerous place and what makes one person a good person and somebody else a bad person you know as we're growing up when we see these examples they're all going into the filing cabinet right so everything we experience is basically filed for later reference yeah and it's such an influential period of time in our lives and at that age like you said perfectly like sponges we just absorb everything and I just was thinking of a specific situation like you were giving examples like what is family well for some people family is a single parent household for some people that's living with mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and for some people that's like so it's a different viewpoint for each person depending on mm -hmm. those first few years of life where we're so influenced by everything um, and then we end up making judgments and beliefs based on those previous and um, young experiences like if I am agreeable and follow directions that makes me a well-licked person so like a, a people pleaser kind of thing. Um, doctors have all the answers. Um, money is important or for some people, money equals happiness essentially as well. So it just all depends on those influential years. It really develops how we view everything else in life as we grow older. And I think about that money example in particular. I mean, 
I'm sure some kids see money, grow up thinking like, oh, money is stress and money is arguing and money is because in a lot of households that does happen, you know, fighting right. about the bills or about this expense and is it legitimate and should we pay for it? And, you know, and then as the kid gets older, they're going to their parents for the money and, you know, allowance or what have you. And it's basic. There's so many things tied to that, right? Were you a good girl? And do you deserve it? And mm -hmm. is this legitimate expense and all these other things? So yeah, all of that is, is tucked away for making later on life decisions. And for the most part, it's how we end up viewing life and becomes the narrative of our worldview. Mm. But it's not always accurate, as we just discussed, like, you know, one person's experience is is different from another's to begin with. And also it's based on such a little piece of life. It's so little information in our primary years. Yeah. And research even tells us then that when navigating with blind spots, the, uh, the brain will use decision-making shortcuts based on emotions and memories. So just like you were saying, certain emotions that were experienced during these primary years and, um, those specific memories, um, often we don't even realize it had realize it at the time, but our subconscious leads us to act in a certain way to avoid feeling a certain way based on stored information and memories. So, um, I don't, yeah, yeah and, and I don't know if it makes sense to what I was saying earlier, like the defensiveness, it's almost like a protection, like, no, that's not what I believe or what I have been brought up to believe or the experiences I've had or, but that's just that's not the best example, but it kind of relates. Right. So also the interesting thing is that often when we're presented with new information later on in life, we tend to ignore or look away from this new stuff if it doesn't fit with our previous observations and experiences that we've had. So that's kind of an interest, like it was yeah. here teach an old dog new tricks but yeah. in some cases I think it applies but there's some beliefs that are so anchored that you know they're gonna stick yeah and as our life our lives progress we are less and less likely to assimilate new conflicting information because as we age um the previously flexible neuropathway became hardened and more difficult to change just like you were saying Mm. And the, you mean the neural pathways in the brain yeah. yeah and and that does happen right you know like there's a lot of changes that go on upstairs so that makes uh, sense yeah. to me heck yeah they do <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about Where <laughs> we actually had a conversation about that earlier and Kennedy's like mom you already told me that like three or four times and I'm like you've been doing that a lot lately <laughs> like you've been telling me stories like it's the first time you've told me and you've told me like four times this week already I'm like Are you the okay? best part, I don't remember telling her so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so humans are are hardwired to dismiss facts that don't fit their worldview because um I think really it makes us uncomfortable it, it can threaten your security you know of what the way that you thought life was or your relationship was or what have you right your school your right. community whatever um it can also threaten our interests if we have you know a particular um plan worked out for our lives and these new facts uh get in the way of that 
um, that can be pretty scary, you know, when we thought we had it all figured out. And it can also threaten our identity of who we are um, in the world. And, and that kind of would be a scary place to be. So sometimes it's just not, doesn't make sense to look at that new information because it, it's actually kind of a threat to who you thought you were. Yeah, so I can think of a couple examples just like in politics for like politics is the easy answer. There's always like these conflicting opinions and what you were raised to believe. And a lot of times what your parents believe in is kind of like where you end up going like politically minded. And then when you're rooted in that, um, you just you're set in those beliefs and anything that conflicts with that, it seems like a you have to go on defense mode. And there's lots of topics like that. Like people say that money, you're never supposed to talk about what religion, politics and money with yeah. people because it can always end badly because we all have deep rooted beliefs and understandings of what those are. And we all think we're right about them. Yeah. Um, there's other examples with that. Like I think um, things like uh, even vaccines or whenever I go to the dentist, I don't get fluoride. And why do I not get fluoride? Well, because my mom always got me to not get fluoride so it, it's just it and why did I not get fluoride because <laughs> you're you know, a mom <laughs> yeah but, but I mean you know there there is in this particular circumstance there's information out there for sure but yeah I I totally get what you're saying you know like the the possibilities are endless you know for things to have for things that people have different opinions about right like climate change and all the crap that happened with COVID and was it real? Wasn't it real? Do I get vaccinated? Should I not? Does it, you know, like all these different things and like stuff like religion, even, you know, some people believe, some people don't believe, some people do believe this, but don't believe that. And it's just, there's so many, so many conflicting, <laughs> right. There's so many conflicting opinions. And like you were starting to say, like we all went through COVID. We all know that was a stressful time. There was so much going on, but so many different opinions and because of that and so many different ways of being brought up there was so much conflict that it just all tied in because people get defensive in what they believe and how to protect themselves I guess is essentially what it roots down to right yeah because like we were saying you know looking at one's own blind spots can be threatening and overwhelming and looking at your own beliefs and behaviors can involve looking at some um, experiences and emotions that we haven't completely maybe processed before. Mm -hmm. And there can be some fear there, even if it's not in your conscious mind. Like uh, if I go there, where might those thoughts and emotions take me to, right? So unfortunately, many people choose to just not go to those places. Uh, and they ignore looking at their own blind spots when they could actually learn and grow and, uh, you know, per, uh, improve themselves, their lives, their relationships by looking at some of those things that, that they're not seeing. Mm, but for those of us who are interested in digging a little deeper into this topic, <laughs> what are we to do with or how are we to find the blind spots if you can't even see them they're called blind spots right uh and if we are blind to them or unaware they that they even exist how do we actually pull them out and make progress and becoming more self-aware so how do you 
know something exists if you don't even know it exists <laughs> like um it's just kind of ironic because it is called a blind spot for a reason you right. you're unaware that it's there right right so um awareness actually is the first step it's kind of like aa i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> admit you have the problem yeah right so um this requires you to play detective a bit and maybe look at uh, being a little bit more introspective with yourself and checking in on yourself. So that's kind of like step one wrapped into two parts there. So awareness and um, starting to think more about why you think the things that you think. Mm. And that's, that's hard in itself. It uh, but after that, you just make a conscious effort to recognize how you're feeling and who or, who or what stirs up emotions for you. So certain conversations may stir up something for you or being around a certain person might stir up something for you. And as a society, we don't talk a whole lot about emotions, although they're a huge part of all of our lives. And I feel like mom's a bit more of a professional when it comes to this than I am. So maybe you want to talk a bit more about that. Yeah, so... um we don't talk about emotions and uh, I know things maybe are changing now, but even in Kennedy's generation, you know, it was kind of downplayed. If the kid was upset in the mall, you're like, Oh, stop that. Don't be like that. Don't cry. And you know, get a hold of yourself type of thing. And we are all supposed to be little robots, like within this, this area of safe emotions, basically. Right. But don't get upset, don't cry, don't get angry, don't, you know, all these other things, right? So uh, psychologist Paul Ekman documented 27 distinct and separate emotions and over uh, 10,000 facial expressions depicting various mixtures of combinations of emotions. So that's a lot going on in that department. And really, we don't even give much thought to it. We're not raised to, no. for the most part, recognize them or, you know, <laughs> interestingly enough, I've done a lot of study in this area, um, got some certifications in this area as well. And it's really kind of funny, like, I consider myself to be pretty self aware. But when I started, I'm like, part of the journey was, learning about all the names of the emotions and what this one particularly meant versus this one like and yeah like it's like I remember one specific example I can remember you said that we kind of pair and group together sadness and grief as one and the same oh grief has been right uh, we'll have to do uh an episode on that because right. it is such a big topic it really really is and even yeah like I've studied psychology and all that sort of thing too and it's just like I had no idea of the the width of that and, yeah. and you kind of think like oh when somebody dies and you have grief no it's way way bigger so in that regard um yeah emotions are just they're huge and profound and it's really a forgotten part of ourselves i work in particular with uh 60 different emotions they kind of like it's kind of like the umbrella that covers um all of them that they can kind of get categorized into mm. these 60 different uh things but like i mean even if you're minimizing down to 60 that's still a pretty big number so mm. you know something that that uh, we could all work a little bit more 
in getting in touch with ourselves because really emotions is is energy in motion right so it's it's the act of feeling and if we're not following through with that action you know something negative can be happening you know we can get stuck there emotionally other things can happen to us physically if we're not working through those areas in our lives so right and just as a last point to that um it's I want to just make it clear as well because for some people emotions like we're saying oh there's over however many emotions for some people they think sad happy stressed anxious like there's the the typical 10 what are you talking about (laughs) right that's what I was trying to say earlier like when I started the program that I had taken it was like oh my goodness like even I've got kind of a a background in this sort of thing and it was difficult for me so for you know everyday joe or yeah. everyday whatever the girl's version of joe is joanne for everyday joe or joanne then yeah it would be it it would be exactly like you're saying you know mm. only five emotions what are you talking about <laughs> right and stuff that we don't realize we're carrying for years and years to come well no and you say consciously i'm over it you're yeah. you're you're not over it so yeah we're really not so yeah so just um to carry on um you also should pay attention to persistent negative emotions and reactions and look for the possible whys behind those feelings and situations so do you believe this specific thing because you were taught that so um there can be lots of conflict and there's always got to be sides right well I'm on this side and you're on this side and um well I want to be on the girls team and there's a girls team and there's a boys team and then there's mom was talking earlier I don't know if you want to say anything more to this but there's the French immersion students and there's the English students like there's always this divide between people well now it's kind of they're trying to squash it all together well yeah I I know for sure when I grew up like (laughs) that there was one French class like one French clash the clash one (laughs) French class in each grade level so there was three English in our school and one French and the French kids were always the ones that got all the awards at graduation for the (laughs) most part and they did better at sports and I don't know like and so it created this tension right and And resentment right so oh yeah for sure and you know just in the area that we live of course this was before Kennedy's time but and she still sees some of the fallout from it today. But I can remember there was an issue in my community when somebody came in for a public job because the government had decided everything was going to be bilingual for the government positions. Mm-hmm. And so they ushered somebody into a public servant job in my area that was a government position. And um, yeah, there was huge outrage in the community and yeah, they're, because they're, they were French or um yes mm. it's the quick answer but mm. yeah and really it, to be more clear I don't know that there was anybody in our community at that time that really needed those services but I understand what the government was trying to do to get you know right and for most people it would have been oh, change Ooh, scary like, well it was change and it was the the threat of you know somebody's taken our English jobs and right you know but then at the same time the government really doesn't help that when they set out two sets of buses 
to take right. the kids on. So I don't know, like they, you know, there seems to be a push for getting it all together and everybody get along. But at the same time, there's some decisions made that are very separate as well. And the whole thing is loop back to why do we have these feelings and emotions and why do these thoughts come up, right? Well, it's because they're deep rooted in our primary years, right? So for, for sure, I was certainly raised in a time where I was, you know, white English girl. So the French were not our, not always our friends, but which I found confusing because my friends at school were at, in in high school years, mostly all from French immersion. Right. And I got along with them and they spoke French. So wait a second. You know? And how <laughs> things have changed now to when I was growing up, it was you better take French immersion. Otherwise, you're not going to have a job because right. of the area we live in. So it's crazy how things have totally flipped. Yeah. And I, um, when I started school, you had to be able to pass a test and you had to have a parent at home that could read to you in French. And so that kind of eliminated me, but, and so, yeah, it was all these conflicting messages throughout my life. But then, um, in my early twenties, I had the opportunity to actually be an English speaking person who, took a job in a French speaking area. And that was one government program that I think was the bomb. They sent me into uh, French schools as an English white person who they had all thought, you know, I was the enemy. Mm. And so it, it really, it, I helped them learn English and um, we developed- It must have been humbling for you. Well, we developed a relationship and it was my favorite job I ever had. Like I can remember crying the last day and because it was only a term position, right? Because they didn't want to develop too much connection there because mm -hmm. um, they wanted to bring in another white, good person type of thing. So um, I, it, it was humbling to be, <laughs> to be pretty much the only English speaking person in in that area minus the person at at the uh, school that spoke English and taught English mm. so journaling to find clarity in our thoughts would be uh the next step or another option even so the act of journaling restructures and often makes clearer the big jumbled lump of reaction and emotions that can stick in your head or heart so um it's about being proactive rather than reactive, I guess, is the way to see it. Yeah. So I guess with journaling, it would be based on the concept of um, sometimes when things happen, there's so much emotion involved in that moment that um, they're suggesting that if you journal, it's easier to pull things apart maybe later on when the emotions aren't quite as heightened. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, friends are another great resource that can help us unpack feelings, emotions, and uh, the underlying issues to see the situation clearer. You know, if you have uh, honest and caring friends and family members that you can ask opinions for, and uh, if they are willing to give them to you out of love, <laughs> yeah. um, look at them objectively and try not to go on the defensive with that because uh, their honesty can actually be a gift to you in your path to improvement. Yeah. I was just thinking when you were saying that 
hey, mom, tell me all of the things that I do wrong, how that could go terribly wrong. <laughs> well, it could. And <laughs> I'm guilty of that just for being a mom, right? Sometimes a particular incident that happened in the last week. I'm uh, thinking of the exact same one. <laughs> that uh, I, as a mom, said <laughs> um, out of care and concern, but it did now in, in hindsight, it did come out a little bit bluntly. So, but as, as a mom, I guess we're used to, to giving it to you straight a lot of the times. And um, yeah, if, if you came to me though and said like, Hey, I'm looking at like, is there stuff? That oh, of I course did? that was just teasing. like uh, the, the automatic thought is, Oh, how that could go terribly wrong. Right. Um, so you can also look at, patterns that can help you see the areas that you may be unaware of so a habitual response to a certain situation is a pretty good indicator of an area that you may have a, a blind spot of mm -hmm. I often reflect on myself as well and wow how do I always end up in this situation and why does this always happen like what have I not learned yet from this situation right. there's an obvious blind spot that I have obviously not found out what it is yet so until I figure that out I guess we're gonna be continuously trying to figure out what that is yeah and sometimes you know we hear people say well it's just my luck or Murphy's law or bad things always happen to me what else would I expect and you know if you dig a little deeper under that maybe there's some feelings of lack of self-worth or lack of abundance uh, that are causing that particular belief for you so and lastly, meditation, um, it recreates the brain phenomena, like the malleable brain phenomena, uh, right. you can adapt continuously and in a changing environment, like you can adapt as so long as you give yourself the ability and opportunity. Right. And meditation, it's been proven time and time again, how much that really benefits, uh, somebody, in stress reduction and that that says it right there you know the tests that they've done um with the the brain being malleable and being able to adapt so well but you have to give it a, you know it, it's like putting gas in your car if you don't put the right type of fuel in you're not going to get uh you know the efficiency out or that sort of thing so not even efficiency it won't function right Right. So in closing today, we just want to leave you with a little allegory that shows the differences of individual perceptions and their reality to us in contrast to others' realities and the scope of the larger picture. Right. So this is kind of a neat little story. Um, there's six blind men um, and none of them have ever seen or come in contact with an elephant they've heard many stories about what an elephant was like but none had actually uh, seen or experienced one because you know they didn't have the opportunity plus their visual impairment and limitations didn't permit it so um, one day they were fortunate enough to have had the opportunity to uh, have a, a friend that was a seeing friend that uh, let them have the interaction with an elephant and 
they wanted to all find out what the elephant was like. And because they couldn't see, they used their hands to touch and experience this elephant. So um, first guy, he reached out and he felt the leg. And so his interpretation of what an elephant must be like is something like a, a very large cow. And the next guy, uh, he was on the front end of the elephant and he felt the trunk. And so naturally he he thought the whole elephant was, you know, a part of this. And he imagined the elephant to be a snake-like creature. And the guy that was on the side, you know, he felt up and felt the side of the, the elephant would be quite large and hard and strong. So he, he imagined the elephant to be somewhat like a, a strong wall thing that he had experienced before. So um, the next guy, he was up near the test. So he thought elephants were somewhat like a deadly spear, you know, sharp and pointy. The guy that was next to the ear, he thought elephant must be like, you know, this soft carpety feel of the leather on the ear. So, um, and the guy that was back near the tail, uh, I know you guys are all thinking I'm going to say the elephant craft on him or something like that, but <laughs> that's not what happened. But he reached up, touched the tail and thought, well, this kind of sucks, you know, like it's an it's rope. Just, yeah, yeah, like an elephant's just like an old rope. So I guess what happened afterwards, the men argued back and forth about their own personal interactions with the elephant. And each one, of course, was certain that they had experienced what they had experienced. And so they were trying to tell the other guys, that's not right. And, you know, they felt that their particular interpretation of what the elephant was like was the actual one. And the the friend that had taken them to see, see the elephant, the one that had his sight, he had to uh, explain to them that each had experienced a different aspect of the same animal, of this very large creature. So in fact, that they were all right. So comparatively, in the world today, our own egos and the push of society make us feel that we are actually separate and in competition. And like the example that mom just gave, um, with the six men that were blind, like it's all about experience and perception, right? So only when we cooperate together and consider each other's perceptions and share our own experiences and ideas, are we actually able to see not only our own blind spots, but also observe the whole picture of reality. So we only experience a small chunk of what is our reality but everyone right. else has their own reality and until we can understand that it kind of goes hand in hand with a previous episode that we did blueprint um that we all have our own perceptions and ideals and unless we consider other people we can't understand the big picture yeah it all fits together like a puzzle i guess I yeah, that's a great way to put it. So thank you so much for tuning in for another episode and we will see you all next Monday. Bye. If you or someone you know has a unique story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at theimperfectpodcast at outlook.com. For more information and how to connect with us on social media, you can visit us at our website, theimperfectpodcast.ca. And from whichever platform you are listening to this episode, be sure to like, share, and leave us a review. We would really appreciate your feedback. 
thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you all find that extra joy and embrace your own imperfect. See you next week. week.